the Lord be with you. And also with you. It is so good to be here today among friends. I thank Sarah and Garrett for the invitation to preach. And I've learned over my doing my um, coursework on the Amen program with Garrett that whenever Garrett tells you to do something, it's best just to do it. He's usually right. <laughs> so I'm here today. Um, the scripture reading today is from Matthew 13. It's a sermon Jesus preaches on parables, um, or he uses parables to preach. And I'm going to add a scripture reading before that one, which is from Ezekiel 17. And I'm reading this text because I think this is the text that Jesus is preaching on um, in the first parable he tells. So listen now to the word of God. Thus says the Lord, I myself will take a sprig from the lofty top of the cedar, and I will set it out. I will break off a tender shoot from the topmost of its young twigs, and I will transplant it myself on a high and lofty mountain. On the mountain height of Israel I will transplant it, and it will produce boughs and bear fruit and become a noble cedar. And under it, every kind of bird will live, and the shade of its branches will nest winged creatures of every kind. And the trees of the field shall know that I am the Lord. I bring the low, the high tree, and I make the high tree low. I dry up the green tree, and I make the dry tree flourish. I, the Lord, have spoken it, and will accomplish it. And then... From Jesus in Matthew 13. Jesus put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. And he told another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. And the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which someone found and did. And then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls of finding one of great value, and he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and caught fish of every kind. When it was full, they drew it ashore, sat down, put the good into baskets, but threw out the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the furnace of fire. Lord, you be being in national teeth. Had you understood all of this? They answered, yes. And he said to them, therefore every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a household who brings out his treasure. What is new and what is old? The word of the Lord. There is an old legend about the Gauls. The Gauls inhabited France and Belgium, 
And when the Roman Empire conquered the Gauls, people did not take well to being conquered. And this led to constant battles and uprisings in the land. And in the meantime, Christian missionaries came and evangelized the territory. And over time, many of the Gauls converted to Christianity. But here is the legend. The story goes that before the Gauls would go under the water of baptism, they would hold up one arm to keep it from getting wet. And when the next battle broke out, that Gaul could proclaim, this arm is not baptized. Then he would grab his club or sword or battle axe and ride off to destroy his enemy. I get it. There are things in our lives that we don't want anyone else to possess. Even God. We don't want anyone, nonetheless, someone who makes us love our enemy and love our neighbor and walk humbly and to give our lives away, to have control of everything we are. That's giving up too much. It's too risky to live a life oriented to the well-being of others. It's too risky, I think, sometimes to manifest a faith that is willing to sacrifice for a better world. We're simply loving the way God loves. So even amongst the most thoughtful and faithful and considerate of us, there are parts of our lives that seem to remain occupied. There are things that we don't know how to give up. There might be something grasping us that seems beyond hope. And there are places where fear has too much say in our lives, or where our need for control is overwhelming. We hold on to things that deny us or others dignity, and we cling to habits that harm. How does God work with those parts of who we are? And where do we see God at work in those places? our lives? How does God work with that one arm that we keep out of the water? I'm pretty sure this is why Jesus held the parable of the mustard seed. I know it's a pretty low bar, but I want to tell you about my favorite headline from 2020. It was a headline about seeds. Um, inexplicably, people were receiving seeds in the mail. Did this happen to anyone here? I've not met anyone this happened to. Did it happen to you? Okay. And did you order these seeds? They just came in the mail one day. And this was freaking out all like, the state agriculture departments and extension agencies. And uh, people were like, realized how powerful seeds were. Um, some people worried, you know, are these bioweapons? You know, these might be the beginning of World War III, other people were saying. Um, what if there's a ploy for the black market? You know, it would be genetically modified madness. Who knows? Did you plant the seeds? Did you? Okay. Well, <laughs> the state advised against it, for what it's worth. Um, 
But imagine taking those seeds and planting them in your raised bed, not knowing what they were. The worry is that that plant would take over, like honeysuckle or kudzu. You know, the wrong seed can change entire habitats and ecosystems for generations to come. And the seeds that turned out were a marketing scheme for certified online reviews of products. So most of them were run-of-the-mill summer squash or mint. Um, but they were still an urgent matter because they had the power to change the world. The people Jesus was speaking to would have heard the comparison of planting mustard seeds in your field to planting the seeds that aim in your mailbox. You just don't do it. Mustard is actually an invasive shrub. Mustard is a nuisance to the Galilean farmer. And you work hard to keep that out of your so Jesus was talking to people who expected to see God's work in the world in big and grandiose ways. So we just heard in Ezekiel 17 that God was going to take a sprig from the cedar and plant it and was going to grow up to this massive thing. That every kind of bird will live in it. In the shade of its branches, creatures will nest, nest of every kind. The tree is so big and shady that it almost like into heaven. And people will flock together here and live in peace. But looking around, people were seeing that this dream wasn't being fulfilled. It seemed idealistic or maybe impossible. So Jesus takes this image of a cedar and shakes it up and spreads it all around. The cedar from Ezekiel is clearly on Jesus' mind, because both that passage and Matthew says that this mustard plant would provide shelter for all the birds of the air. But the differences between a mustard plant and a cedar are stark. A mustard shrub is no bigger than me. It doesn't grow up in one centralized place, but it spreads out everywhere. It grows where you don't want it to grow. And it's impossible to contain. Kind of like the kingdom of heaven. Kind of like a reign of truth and love and justice. The mustard plant doesn't grow tall into the sky. It doesn't reach our idea of heaven. It lacks nobility. But instead, the kingdom is a pest, a weed a nuisance. It grows outward, and it grows up in everything, even the parts that remain occupied. The land that they were standing on was occupied by Rome, and now the kingdom of heaven is going to pop up everywhere and reclaim the people. It's growing in every crack, and crevice. It grows in the roads and the alleys. It takes over whole landscapes. You won't be able to miss it. Because the whole topography is going to be transformed. And this upends the expectations of Jesus' audience. 
They were expecting the lofty, big, tremendous greatness. They wanted to be like a cedar, reaching high into the sky to touch on God's glory and goodness. But Jesus says it's not like that right now. He offers them something else that's around us and decentralized. He provides refuge for all. So Jesus' kingdom is going to pop up all over the place. It's going to pop up in you, and you, and you. God's kingdom claims more than you bargained for. It's going to offer refuge like the birds of the air who makes nests in its branches. A Methodist pastor once had lunch with a college student who was singing in the church choir. The student brought along a friend because if you've ever had lunch with a pastor, sometimes you know you need you need a friend with you. <laughs> the friend was a sophomore sophomore football player. So as they were eating through lunch, um, the football player started to join the conversation. He mentioned that when he was a kid, he went to church all the time, but he wasn't much in the mood for church anymore. Uh, the pastor hadn't brought up church at all, so this was sort of a preemptive strike. <laughs> and he told him, that's fine, you know, what, okay. Um, but the pastor finally kind of had to you know, say, look, you, you seem pretty definite about this. Can I ask you why? And the football player said, well, to tell you the truth, I'm kind of enjoying myself. Kind of enjoying my sophomore year. And from what I remember about church, and Jesus, is you got to change. I'm kind of happy with my life right now, the way it is. And the pastor said, so you're enjoying your sophomore stuff? You're enjoying the partying and the being on your own? And you don't want to risk that by coming to church? And the football player raised his eyes and yeah, actually, it never felt so understood. I'll, I'll probably come my senior year, he said. But for now, I've got more stuff to do before, you know, I have to rein it in. <laughs> the pastor said, hands down, that's the best reason I've ever heard for not coming to church. <laughs> and the football player was so like, well, maybe he's being a little sarcastic now. He was like, no, 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 no. I, I meet a lot of people who tell me they don't want to come to church because it's boring or it's dull. Or their relevance, or because they've heard it all before, or because they're too busy. But you're telling me that you don't want to come to church because you don't want to risk being invaded by God. You don't want your life to be taken over. Right, the football player exclaimed. Now you can't just do a little bit of God, because you're going to lose control. And something larger than yourself is going to take root and grow and spread out. Faith gets tangled up with everything. If you care about maintaining control of your world, it might be wise. Stay away. Apparently, it's impossible to do just a little bit. Because there's nothing we can withhold from the presence of God. It's like a mustard seed that just takes over breaks down any barrier and uproots and 
anything that's preoccupied our life. If you think something can separate you from that love of God, think again. God's kingdom takes root and starts moving in and breaking up everything that stands in its way. And all that undergrowth is at risk. All that stuff that preoccupies us is going to get smothered with a mustard plant of grace and forgiveness and mercy, of compassion and self-awareness, of courage and abundant life, of peace. In other words, that arm, it's going to get wet. I always like the way Pastor John Buchanan described his parables. When someone plants a seed, God's kingdom is not, does come by God's mysterious power, the power of love. It's not a bolt from the blue, a volcanic eruption. It's not in spite of the apocalyptic rantings of the left behind mentality, a violent, vengeful cataclysm. It's like a seed dropped in the ground, bearing fruit. It's like a young tutor sitting quietly week after week with a student doing math and grammar wondering whether anything is happening. It's like a small loan of $100 to a woman in Mozambique to buy a sewing machine to make clothes to sell and feed her children. It's like a group of American church people building a house in Honduras or digging a well in Kenya or dispersing AIDS medication in Cameroon. It's like a group of church members who will travel to New Orleans to build the Habitat for Humanity house. It's like a Sunday school teacher patiently waiting, loving little ones. A public school teacher who stays after hours to be with junior high students. A, girl, a coach who will not give up on the gifted but lethargic linebacker. Like a mother who will see more in her child than anyone else and will never give up. God's kingdom on earth comes, Jesus says, when seeds are dropped into the ground. And we know, by our own lives, those seeds simply can take over. It might start small, but they spread. The kingdom does not always come in the ways we expect, not always big in grandeur, rather like a tiny seed that spreads out everywhere. And we can't control it. And maybe we should be less cautious about where we spread it, and this type of faith actually changes the topography of the world. It changes our ecosystem, creating a space where God's love and grace and kindness and peace will flourish. But here's what I'm trying to accept about God. As someone who often tries to keep my arm out of the water, who tries to enjoy a good sophomore slump. God is going to find a way to those places that I try to hold back or control, or hide. And those places often remain preoccupied with doubt and fear and shame. And there's a lot that can be learned by resisting God in those parts of our lives. But we don't have to do it that way. The kingdom of heaven is afoot. And I invite us all into a faith that trusts God with everything in our lives. Because the grace of Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power of the Holy Spirit can be a stubborn, 
invasive nuisance. And it's going to get tangled up with everything. Like someone who planted kudzu in their garden. 